0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I am your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where we talk to successful friends and influencers about how they manage their time, prioritize their tasks, and take steps to avoid burnout. This week we're speaking with Anne Bogle. She is the author of Work Shift, How to Create a Better Blend of Work, Life, and Family. And yes, nowhere in there did you hear the popular productivity buzzword lately, work-life balance. That's because she blends work and life. And we're gonna get into what exactly does that mean? But first, I wanted to take a moment to let you know that this podcast is brought to you in part by GoToMeeting by Citrix. There really is no substitute for meeting people in person. The key point to that being that the nonverbal communication that goes along with verbal makes a lot of difference. Sometimes the, the body language or the, like the raise of an eyebrow, people nodding, smiling, that just translates extra data, crucial data into the communication. And ultimately, meetings that don't have that can be lacking. But you can use go to meeting with HD faces. And you can meet face-to-face with your colleagues or your clients, no matter where you are. I know last time I talked about how Cliff Ravenscraft and I, we were in the same room, but he started up a meeting right there on his iPad mini, and I was able to join it right there on my iPad 3. And he was able to share a document, and we were able to see each other's faces, not just by looking across the room, but by looking at our screens. And just the ability to do that is so important especially because we could collaborate on the same document, and he was able to start that from an iPad. And honestly, I was a little bit amazed at how easy it was to launch or join a meeting from anywhere, not just a computer, but a phone or a tablet, and again, even the, the new iPad mini. So try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. Don't wait. For this special offer, visit gotomeeting.com and click the Try It Free button. And use the promo code PODCAST. Remember, use the promo code PODCAST. Well, I just want to introduce to you Ann Bogle. Is that how you say it? It is. You did great. I, I didn't even bother to ask you that. I am so sorry. So Ann Bogle, she is the author of Work Shift: How to Create a Better Blend of Work, Life, and Family. And that's a great, it's a very interesting title to me, and we'll get into that. But welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Great.
0: So uh, you and I did not meet in person, unfortunately, at the Quitter Conference, but we will talk about that conference specifically later. I kind of want to talk about uh, the book as well as the backstory of how you came to write the book, and then some of the, just give a little bit of we're going to talk a little bit about you know what's in the book as, but not so much that people don't need to buy it. I want people to go buy it. It's, <laughs> good, it's a good book. You don't want to te- you want to tease it, not give everything away. So
1: oh, we could talk all day about that kind of stuff. Right, we'll be fine.
0: Yeah, I'm very interested in the fact that you talk about how to create a better blend. You use the word blend, and then you have three categories: work, life, and family. What for you fits into those three categories? How do you differentiate those?
1: Well. <laughs> Eric, that's kind of a tricky question because the reason I called it blend is because I think now more than ever, um, especially the last 10 or 15 years with the internet, um, those categories aren't hard and fast like they used to be. Um, work, obviously, is what you do for money. Um, life, I think, includes a lot of um, extra familial stuff like friends and hobbies and you know, things like that, um, time spent on the couch reading. And family is the people you love and share your life with, whether or not they live with you if you're single or not married or whatever your family situation is. But the boundaries are fuzzier
0: these days. That Well, that kind of was a trick question. So, <laughs> and I knew you knew that, so that was good. Um, yeah, especially because you use the word blend and you talk about blending. Um, one of the quotes here from the book is that, We threw out work-life balance and you aimed to blend them instead of balance them and you were surprised how well it worked for your family and you're never going back. So can you maybe define a little bit more what do you see as the difference between this thing a lot of people call work-life balance and why you chose to call it – you don't call it work-life blending. I guess you kind of do, but w- <laughs> w- that's weird. What do you mean by blending versus balancing?
1: Well, you know, that was a big struggle, uh, the vocabulary, when I even wanted to start this conversation with the book and talk about it on my blog is I felt like I needed to create new terminology in order to have an intelligent discussion. So that was a big barrier right there and really let me know that our culture isn't quite here yet on the whole. Um some fields are more than others. But I love the idea behind work-life balance, the idea that um, you don't want to become, well, (laughs) that you want to be balanced. But I think the problem is that a lot of people tend to see that very compartmentally. They see that they have their work over here on one side of the page, and they have the rest of their life, including their family, on the other side of the page. And More and more, I think it used to be that way since um, post industrial revolution. um, Work and life really have been in separate places, but it's just not that way anymore. And I think a lot of people would be happier. It's not possible in every profession, but a lot of people would be happier to leave that um, segment and model behind and combine them a little more holistically because that's possible. And so many people, I think especially women, are so much happier when they do ditch the hard divide and combine them a little more.
0: Okay. Now, so you're talking more along the lines of instead of compartmentalizing our lives where, okay, I go to work and I am a worker or I'm an employee and that's my role. And then I come home and I am a, you know, fill in the blank. You're, you're a family member, you're a son, you're a daughter, you're a, a husband, a wife, etc., and then when you're, you know, when you're not with them, you're, you're not the, any of those things. You're, you're kind of saying at all times you are all, all of the above. It's just knowing that, knowing and accepting that maybe uh, helps you to smooth out the transitions between those. Is that kind of what you're saying?
1: Um, kind of. A little bit. I mean, you, you are always you. I mean, you will be all those things at any given time. I mean, that's. You're a whole person. You're not, a, I don't know. Right. You don't, right. Um, I'm not saying, however, that when I'm eating dinner with my family, I should be open to taking phone calls. That's not the kind of balance or blend I'm talking about at all. But right. I am saying that um, a lot of people are happier if they can just be them and not have a work self and a home self and a rest of their life self. Um, the book is a lot, I mean, that's the, philosophy and mindset behind it. But a lot of it is just how to do that, what that looks like, and really just creative ways of structuring your life to fit all those things in, in a way that actually makes sense for your family, and not that makes sense for the old eight to five work life model.
0: Right, because that model is dying, or at least has been for a long time. And and still, I mean, it's still, it still happens. I'm still pretty much an eight to five worker. My wife's Uh a part-time employee somewhere and we kind of make that work, but that's not what your story is at all, is it?
1: Well, I do work part-time in the legal industry, which is one of the stodgier holdouts, but no, that's not my story. And you know, what's funny is my story is um, continuing to evolve because my husband accepted a new job two weeks ago. Oh, wow. So I know. So we are actively... I'm reviewing my own material. And I mean, we are we are continuing to restructure and figure out what this thing is going to continue to look like for us.
0: What was the instigation for the book? Like, what's your backstory here that led you through the experiences of, okay, there's something here. And then you decided as a catalyst to, to, to write this.
1: Well, you know, it was a lot of personal frustration um, with the way my own life had unfolded and um, then realizing in my late 20s and early 30s that I wasn't the only one, that a lot of women, um, when they're younger, and Eric, my book's largely aimed at women because for whatever reason, I think they feel um, the pull of attention a lot more than men. Um, The options and strategies in the book are applicable to anybody in every field, but the... um, The tension is, I think, felt a lot more strongly by women. (sighs) Let's see. So when I was a college girl, early 20-something, I'm I'm a Christian, and I think, (laughs) I didn't say this in the book, but I think Christian women can feel the tension a little more because we're raised with this more, uh, um, I don't know, exalted idea of what a Christian woman's life should look like. But I thought back then um, when I entered college in the late 90s that I needed to choose if I wanted to be a working mom, or a stay-at-home mom, and I knew I wanted to have kids. I met my husband in college. Um, we were pretty sure we were going to get married and have a family. And I I thought I had to make a choice between the two. And, um, you know, maybe maybe that was more true for more people in more fields 30 years ago. But it's just not the case anymore. And I wish I had known that. I would have really made some different decisions in my 20s when it came to my career. And um, I couldn't believe when I started talking about these issues on my blog in um, – just in the past year, how many women chimed in and said, Oh, me too? Or when I talked about my non traditional work structure on my blog, how many women would email me and say, You gotta tell me more? Can I can you problem solve my own life? Can you help me think this through? I could really see that this was an issue that women were struggling with.
0: And and what were some of those issues that you're talking of that, that really connected with your readers?
1: Well, the issues are just feeling the pull between really having a passion that you want to pursue um, or having a budget at home that you need to balance, but feeling that You'd be failing your kids if you weren't always available. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of women who either want to have kids and really don't know what it's like to be a mom, though they think, you know, they can imagine, they can look around them and see how people are doing the motherhood thing, or who have young children and are just making it up as they go and not real happy with what they perceive as their options. And I wrote the book because I was really surprised with all the feedback I got from just a couple posts. Um... And how many women just didn't realize how broad their options really were.
0: So as you're working through, you're, obviously you're working through those uh, issues yourself and you have readers who are kind of connecting that with you. What are some of the things that happened as a result of that? Did you, did you decide to tailor maybe some of your blog posts towards answers to those questions or maybe be more inviting towards, hey, here's how I, here's what I'm doing. How are you doing it? Or I mean, what was the road to the book?
1: I talked with a friend one day, um, just a friend that I strategize with on a weekly basis. And she was saying, I am really struggling with my work-life negotiation. She didn't say balance because she <laughs> balance. balance. Um, so she said, I am really struggling. Can you help me talk through what my life looks like and what some possibilities are for me? I just really, I want to make more time for this work that is my passion um, but I don't know how to do it. And my husband gets upset when I infringe on what he considers family time and, you know, help me think about ways I could do things differently. So I talked with her that morning and I told my husband that night, I think I'm going to write a blog post about our experience with share care, which is our household term for we share the child care um, He worked at a church until two and a half weeks ago and worked a lot of weekends, which meant he was free during the week on a couple days, which is when I would head into the office for my legal job. And then I do my writing on a different timetable that not while he's at work um, or not while he's home with the kids, I mean. But so I said, I think I want to share this with my readers. And he said, forget that. Like, you've got a lot more. You should you get emails about this all the time. You should write a book. And I went, oh, that actually I bet I have material for that. So I did a couple of, I tossed it out there to my readers and wrote a couple of posts on the issue to see if there was interest. And there was a lot of interest. So I decided to go ahead with it.
0: Awesome. And I know then he wrote some for the book as did well. He did.
1: He wrote a section.
0: I was kind of surprised. I was like, well, wait, that's not her reading, writing this. So that was kind so, of cool.
1: I'm trying to think what he said now, but I was pleased with the way he did it. Yeah. Um, I, well, I do remember he's, he pointed out that, you know, the big debate and the Atlantic really blew this up this year um, is can women have it all? And that question. I don't, so. and I,
0: I don't know that I want to. I, I don't know that I ever want to. Let me restate that. Ever really go into on this show or especially this episode, the whole gender roles thing. But you talk a little bit about that and even some of the the backstory in the book about – uh, just the employment, the just the climate of it at, from way back when through to modern era, and you know that is one of the things you touch on is just the I, I believe the way you put it is is that uh, there was a, an era where you know men quote unquote had it all and women didn't and and then they kind of questioned well why can't we have it all and and then I don't know do you want to clarify that a little bit?
1: My husband said, and we don't talk. I mean, I would never say. You know, I, I, I think we're all weary of the having it all debate, and that's not terminology that I, that I care to use. But um, my husband said that you know, for a long time, women have tried to figure out how they can have work and family, and you know, a life with that's full and that today 's men like they're they want to be home for their families they don 't most most of them, most of my peers and you know the people that listen to the show and that I write for they don 't want to work ninety hours week weeks they want to be there, regardless of gender um, to enjoy the time with their families
0: yeah, so uh, I think I think a lot of people will be able to get behind what i 'm going to say, which is I, I think the main goal or, or at least subconsciously on some level. People aren't necessarily concerned with gender roles so much as if, if they're a husband or a wife that their thought is that they want, as a whole, their family, the, the their spouse and their kids, to all feel like their family is working, that it's fulfilled, everybody has their role, that you know all the pieces fit and. Everybody loves each other and they all get along and, and and they're moving in the right direction. I mean, does that sound like, I mean, for me, at least that's my goal for my family.
1: Oh, definitely. And that's our, and it changes so often depending on job and work and stages and even, you know, like we have, we have young kids and our life changes every couple of months based on things like nap schedules and bedtimes because they are constantly changing. And our goal is to constantly make it, make it work in a way that works for all of us. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, simple and yet harder than it sounds sometimes.
0: Yeah. So and and obviously kids entering the picture changes things. Uh, Career options change things. You share a lot of different stories from other people in the book. That was actually surprising to me. I was like, oh, there's a lot of different perspectives in this book that all lend towards this way. It basically ways different people did their version of blending. Yeah, which I thought was and,
1: really awesome. Well, good. I'm so glad there was a reason I did it like that, and it was because I really felt, um, as a college student and a young twenty something, I felt the lack of role models for women who were really blending work and family. And I don't fault the women who weren't who weren't doing it well. Like so much of what is now possible with um, flexible work schedules and all that ha- has just come about in the last twenty years because of technology. So we can't emulate women who weren't in our shoes. I mean, it was a different world for them. But I feel like my generation and yours like, has really felt that lack of role models. So in the book, I wanted to make up for that and provide some education and some women to not emulate, but just to get ideas from, you know, how are other women tackling this subject? And I wanted to give a really broad view, because even if you didn't see your exact situation, you would have enough information to get your mental wheel spinning about how maybe you could approach your own situation.
0: Yeah, definitely. You and your husband and both had obviously he's having a career change sort of again. Is that right?
1: Well, yeah. How yeah. drastic
0: is that? He was working at a church. Now he's moving but, into into what?
1: Um, he were Oh, I don't. It's tech language, and I don't okay. speak. It. I'm going to learn. But he's now working for a local software developer. Okay. Doing wow. oddly rather similar things, but this opportunity fell in his lap. Um, kind of the morning of Quitter Conference, actually. How's that for ironic? Nice. Yeah, and um, so he decided to make the move after six years at the church.
0: Wow. Yeah, and so then before that then, while he's kind of moving on that path, you were you always doing stuff in the legal realm or did you have more than one career path, so to speak? Because I know some people, they find one thing and then they move to another and, and another.
1: I've had concurrent career paths. Um, my, my education is in um, – Christian education um, or non-formal education, how people develop their spiritual beliefs. So I've done some work in a church setting um, with curriculum and things like that. And then I, the legal field, that's my family business. Um, my big actory button was not to go to law school. No. <laughs> yeah, but I'm still in the field. And it took me a while to figure out that my fa- – I've always done writing on the side. And it took me a while to figure out that my favorite part of my job, my legal job, was the writing. And – it took me a decade of doing it to figure that out. But when I realized that, um, I decided to devote more – to back off the legal a bit and devote more time on the side of my own time to writing.
0: And so you, you got married. The two of you got married. You're moving through. Kids start showing up. You have how many kids now? What, four, I believe? Four, yeah. Okay. That's – to me, I have two. Two. I have, I have an eight-year-old, almost an eight-year-old daughter and just over a one-year-old son. And yeah. they're already a handful.
1: I'm similar to you, but I have two in the middle. So, so, yeah.
0: Okay. And so, you know, you've got changes, constant changes, things that happen. And so as the changes, one of the things I was reading in the book is, is as these changes are happening, you have to adapt. And you talk a lot about structures kind of to, to maintain maintain the – consistency of what's most important to the family. Can you speak a little bit into that?
1: That's something that I'm really going through a lot right now. Like, cause my husband started a new job two and a half weeks ago and it has a very different schedule. And so right now, instead of him watching the kids while I'm at work, I think we're going to move to some kind of flex time for him for one day, but, but we're not there yet right now. I'm really starting over and thinking, okay, what do I want my life to look like? Um, do When do I want to work? What am I going to do for childcare? How am I going to make this thing work in a way that my kids like and I like and my husband likes? Because um, like you said, at the end of the day, it just has to work for our family. It can look as weird as we want it to. It just has to work for us. Right. And um, undergoing that change is stressful. And for me, making decisions about what our life is going to look like is stressful. And I think a lot of people... Stop Right where I am And they think Oh it's too much stress I can't do it But once I decide What babysitter Or nanny Is going to come On what days For what hours I will be back On autopilot And we can live our life And fall into that rhythm um, But deciding um The you know, consistent hours and routines that are going to work for your family, I think that's that's a lot of where, the, um, where people feel the pressure point. Yeah. Um, deciding is tough. And I might get it wrong the first time. And maybe I'll have to switch our schedule or get a new sitter or something like that. Um, yeah, the change is tough. But once you find a groove that works for your family, you, I mean, you can just enjoy the living of it instead of freaking out about how it's going to work.
0: So then that, by having that structure, you kind of have, the, like you said, autopilot, which then allows you to put less effort into it continually so that then when, say, maybe there's a, a sudden change, like, say, you know, one or two or three or four of the kids are all sick. You can, <laughs> Don't you say can, that. Don't I, say that. Well, I'm coming out of that myself. So that <laughs> um, you can adapt to that and actually have the, the hopefully, the surplus of, energy or whatever to, to be able to focus and adapt and meet that need when it comes.
1: Yeah, hopefully.
0: So different structures, like it, it's almost like you're playing Tetris. You've got different pieces and you kind of are fitting them together to make something fit.
1: Honestly, for that's everybody. Exactly what it feels like to me. Yeah.
0: So at- are there any key pieces that you're like, I mean, what's perfect? I mean, you're in the thick of it. So I'm not trying to say, you know, hey, it's, gr- <laughs> it's great and it's fun, but yeah. you're in the thick of it again. Which is interesting. It's, what are some of the key pieces that in this decision-making process – I mean you've touched on it a little, but that as you move through this decision-making process of making this new blend work, what are some of those key pieces you're looking at?
1: You know, honestly, self-awareness has surprised me over and over with how crucial it is to making a plan that works for your family. Um, Like uh, when I feel like I'm not getting any writing done, that I'm never going to get my work done because I just don't have enough time to write. I can look at my calendar sometimes and say, oh, if I plan on writing at 5.30 every morning, but I don't get up until 6.30 because I've been staying up too late watching Friday Night Lights. And of course, that's purely hypothetical. Right. It's no wonder, like I need to go to bed. Like I just put the sleep cycle app on my phone and I've been tired this week and I was scrolling through it this morning, realizing that I've gone to bed after 11 every night this week, which is really, really late for me. And that's why I'm tired. And honestly, without that nap, I might not have, or without that app, I might not have realized I've been staying up so late. Or um, being self-aware and also being realistic, like knowing that I can't configure Tetris style all the work I have to do for my job into my calendar without giving myself room to breathe because I've done that before. And I think, Oh, well, if I have nine tasks at each stage, 45 minutes, I can just schedule them in in these hours if it it's perfectly. But, I have to eat and I have to see my family and answer the phone sometimes. And I've just learned that being realistic about how the day is going to unfold and how much energy I have for certain tasks. Um, if I don't keep those things in mind, that I'm not going to make a plan that works.
0: Yeah. And
1: I really want to find my way to a plan that works as soon as possible because logistics exhaust me and they stress me out. And I just I want to have that that piece of the puzzle taken care of so I can get down to actually doing the work uh, or spending time with my family and not, you know, not playing Tetris.
0: Would you mind if I ask you a listener question? I think it kind of fits your situation. (laughs) What is it? Well, I had somebody contact me and and let me just read this and see what you would say to them. Uh, It sounds like it's right up your alley, like maybe even one of your blog post uh, commenters. Uh, this is from Lori Massey and she says I have a pretty full schedule I aim for 8 hours of sleep she observes elementary students for her degree from 8 a.m. to one thirty p.m. then she drives to her job she's there till 6 p.m. she goes home to clean cook and deal with three kids etc. she wants to exercise find time for homework devotions journaling and other goals each night but the hours just aren't there. Are there any strategies I can use? Am I expecting too much from myself? Thanks for your time. What would you say to that? Are there certain questions you'd ask? To maybe it almost sounds like she's saying she wants to have it all. I'm, I don't. I don't know if in this situation she can. I, I don't know if there's a a spouse involved either. But mm-hmm. it doesn't say that. That uh, honestly, in in your case, that's a help to have that. Obviously. Okay.
1: So oh, definitely. So she wants to clean, cook, work out. And hang out with her three kids.
0: Yeah, so she's got sleep, work on a degree, a job, cook, clean, kids, exercise, homework, and then devotions and journaling. And that's, that's a full tough. schedule. That yeah. sounds
1: like a full schedule to me. Um, I would try to look for time in the margins if I was if if this were my life and I. I can relate to this um, right now i'm looking at my schedule going, okay wh- when am I going to work out because um, that's something I really want to fit in that i'm not i'm fitting in about twelve minutes a day now, which is not not as much as I want to um, I would look to the margins of my time. it sounds like those times are pretty firm for her the eight to one thirty and yeah. then the one thirty to six um, But I would be looking to see if there's anything I could do in the car, like it sounds like she already listens to podcasts then, Um, or um, while I'm cleaning, or while I'm cooking, could my kids cook with me? I would want to know when her kids get up. Um, a lot of people with young kids have them wake up at the very early hours of the morning. And luckily, now my kids are sleeping most days till 7. But there was a time when at least two of them woke up at 5 a.m. And you can have some good family time at 5 a.m. if everybody's awake. So I would say don't don't necessarily assume that just because most people have their family time at a certain time of day, that has to be what works for you. Um, there's a really good book I like by Laura Vanderkam called 168 Hours where she pretty ruthlessly breaks the idea that you have to do things a certain way or at a certain time or that you can't make time for important things in your life. It's called 168 Hours because a week has 168 hours and you can really fit in a lot in that big chunk of time. I would recommend that for for reading. and. Just to know, I hated it when people said this to me, and it still kind of drives me crazy. But I'm going to say it: that life goes in seasons. If she's working on a degree, it sounds like that's a really important and time consuming piece of her life this season, and it won't last forever. But, but you know, sometimes when you say yes to something, you have to say no to something else, and she may have to say no to some stuff during the season. If if she's unable to get creative about ways to fit it in. She didn't say anything about the weekends in in that breakdown of True. the days, I don't believe. And she could potentially fit in a whole lot of activities on the weekends that instead of doing them every day, the cleaning, the cooking, maybe. Um, She could possibly outsource some stuff. I used to think, oh, I am not the kind of person who would hire out the cooking or get a cleaning lady or anything like that because I didn't think I was that kind of person. And I've come to see that it's not about being that kind of person. It's about making your life work, and those are two things actually that we're taking under consideration right now with the job change. Is I'm looking for more time to work, and you know, getting someone to come in and clean could be a very cost-effective and sanity-saving way to do it. So just be creative about what she can outsource. Yeah, that's all I got.
0: I, I, but would I think even, those are
1: good starting points.
0: Yeah, definitely. The, you see, I knew this was the right question to ask you, and, and honestly, this was the first time I actually got a listener question, like asking for advice. And I thought, I need to pick the right person. And so then when I knew this that this interview was coming up, I thought, I'm going to hold that for this one. And uh, so, and actually, while I'm talking about that, I just want to say, if anybody else has questions or even suggestions for uh, people to interview, go to com slash contact. And you can shoot me an email right there. So yeah, great answers. One of the things where she's talking about you know doing devotions and journaling and things like that i would say if, if there's a way to and this is something i struggle with and and obviously one of the things i talk about on here where i ask this kind of normal or a regular question which i probably should ask you is in an ideal how in an ideal world how would you start your day or how do you start your day <laughs> is um and i'm going to ask you that so think about that while i say this Oh, I'm um,
1: laughing because that's – I mean because I'm, I'm reimagining that yeah. right now.
0: Yeah. Um, that's something I struggle – like even this past couple of days for my family, we've – almost all of us, of the four of us, been sick. And so that got thrown right out the window. Yeah. And part of the transition away from this, well, very, very short couple of days season of being sick is forgiveness of, okay, well, I'm just not going to be as productive the days that I'm sick, or the couple days afterwards, it's about getting back up to speed and then moving on, and and not feeling guilty about it, you know. But um, what I was getting at was the the devotions and journaling part that she's talking about, or whatever, you know, because not everybody out there has a faith or you know whatever you want to call it. Um, I do though, and what I find is that when you take time to practice those, uh, you know, spiritual disciplines or whatever you have in place of that that those are the things that kind of anchor you and get you through those quote unquote seasons. And so, yeah, she's working on her degree. I I would say cele- have many road roadside celebrations along the way on that journey to completing that degree. You know, because once that's done I like that. you're going to be in a different place. So celebrate along the way of that and say, "Yay, another week. What's this week's, you know, mini one one more week down party. I don't know. Anyway,
1: sounds like Dave Ramsey paying down your mortgage.
0: There, yeah, exactly. Yep. There you go. So, and speaking of Dave Ramsey, we both went to a conference at his conference center for John Acuff, and fortunately enough, uh, John is going to come on the show. Uh, he can, he's confirmed that, but however, he's so busy right now with uh, speaking for Dave Ramsey as well as finishing. His latest book, and then moving into the marketing of that, I, I'll luckily get to be part of the one of the interviews for marketing the new book. But that'll oh, be in the spring. So, but we went to the Quitter Conference, and that conference has to do with quitting your day job. Is it moving, fi- moving from your day job to your dream job? Uh, that was a really great experience. What was your takeaways from that? What did What was the main thing that like hit you?
1: Oh, it was a great experience. Um, you know, I didn't really go in. With um, a checklist of things I wanted to learn or accomplish, Um, I went because I thought that John would deliver amazing content. Um, Nashville's not too far from us. It was something my husband and I could do together. I just thought I couldn't lose in that situation. So I went in really not knowing a ton about what to expect or what I get out of it. I really like the way John talked about roadblocks I hadn't even considered yet. Um, I feel like I've really benefited from his the wisdom of his failings to help keep me from falling mm-hmm. as I move forward in my profession and not you know not get tripped up on some common stuff. Um, really, I like the way that he um, presented so many different ideas about work and career and passion and fulfillment and family and making it all work um, through a lens that was unfamiliar to me. And he just talked about those ideas from so many different angles. I just felt like I was going, oh, oh, all weekend. I was really looking for some um, some good ideas, some good stuff to think about at the conference. And I really I felt like I walked away with that. I'm still thinking about, it. yeah, it was Something really, like pa- I mean, for a, you know, Friday night and a Saturday day, it was really packed with content.
0: Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. John just does such a great job of humility, like looking back unashamedly and saying, hey, here's where I screwed up. That's why the book's called Quitter, duh. He, I mean, he had, what, seven jobs in eight years or something like that? Yeah. Those numbers are very close to what it really is, if that's wrong. But –
1: You might be right, yeah.
0: And and he talks like unashamedly. It's like, look, I was a jerk at this job. That's why they fired me. On this one, I quit, but I was a jerk about it there too. And just keeps going on and on and just – the book Quitter is not just for people who – are looking to become an entrepreneur? They're going to go set out. You know, they're going to go start out and start their own business. I hear a lot of people suggest that book are that kind of a person, but it's not just for those people. Like, it's, especially for people who, for people like me, and I, I suspect for people like you who didn't go to figure out a way to quit their day job, they actually looked to figure out a way to get more direction and um, you know learn from his mistakes and head more unashamedly in direct head on into their passions of what they're supposed to be doing. Anyways, that I mean, just, it was very awesome. So and
1: you're so right about what you said about the book. Like at first, I didn't know if the quitter conference or the quitter book was for me because I don't hate my day job. I don't have a day job. I want to quit. And it's the same with my husband. It's not that he wants to get out of his job. But hearing Um, What John spoke at Blistem that I went to in um, February, and he had a lot of women really not liking him when he told us all to get up at 5 a.m. to work on our passions. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of his thing to look to the margins, and there's a lot of margin for a lot of people at 5 a.m.
0: And I suspect that I'm going to hear a lot about that when I interview him about productivity on the show. But I'm definitely going to f- try and figure out a way to say, look, you got to give me a way to to give people other ways to do this. <laughs> because <laughs> well, get five every day. He does I mean, that. Right. And so, but, I mean, but I still see his tweets where it's like, all right, Monday, I punched you in the face and it's a 5 a.m. picture from Instagram. Or 420. Like, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We don't, we try not to do the fours at my house. But I wasn't sure if quitter was for me if I wasn't, you know, if I didn't have anything, I wanted to quit. But he just—he's ha- not that much older than me, which is kind of um, yeah, makes like me feel. Older. Why am I not so wise? Exactly. Like he's a year about older than
0: me or something like that, and I was just like, "How how are you so wise beyond your years? It's not wisdom; it's experience. I mean, it is—it's experience turned into wisdom.
1: Well, and he talks so well about making it work, um, right? You, just how to structure your life so that you have time for the things that you that are priorities for you. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciated his angle on those things.
0: And I'm going to go ahead and and not give him all the credit. I'm going to go ahead and say that part of the, the one thing he really should get credit for is he's learned along the way to listen to his wife. (laughs) Um, That was one of the questions I asked when they did the, the question and answer piece was, you know, what would past Jenny say to, you know, current John and Jenny, as far as uh, you know, the past, path that you've walked over the past you know seven eight years of, of all those jobs if you knew that you were going to get Dave Ramsey to offer you a job what would you know what would you say to yourselves the yeah. past selves yeah and and I just when I said that I was like why am I not question. thinking of that myself to say to myself now like or to other people so anyway so you don't want to quit your day job but let me ask you this do you have a dream job
1: Wow, I could give the cheesy answer that I feel like I am living much of what I had hoped to right now. um, And that I do get to spend a lot of time with my kids. Um and I homeschool them too. My husband and I used to do it jointly and now we're figuring out what that's going to look like going forward. Um, but I get to spend a lot of time with my kids and we all like each other most days, which I think is a really a dream of mine right there. And I have a day job that I enjoy using that analytical part of my brain at. And um I've started writing in the past two years, and that's been a lot of um it's been very gratifying and satisfying in a lot of ways. My dream I think would be to make that a bigger part of my life, the, the writing. Um, so that's what I'm looking on. And when I'm listening to, to John speak at the Quitter Conference and when I'm thinking about what making it work looks like in my own life, it's I'm thinking about how I can fit more writing into my life without letting the other areas suffer.
0: That's Lord. one of those key things is the writing for you fulfills some sort of a need, whether it's it's that you were made to do it, but you weren't just made to write. You were also made to, like you said, you're a whole person. So it's not just this one passion. You have all these passions and all these roles. And so it's kind of a balance. Well, I'm not going to use the word balance to blend, Sorry. <laughs> I know what of, you mean. You're fine. But you know what I mean? Like it's. Yeah. You have all these things and you know that some of them are, in fact, more important than the others. Like it's yeah. more important to not be a failing spouse or husband or wife or father or mother. Like it, it is more important. Like there, there's just some times where it's like, okay, I have to say I'm not going to do my thing tonight because my kids need me or, you know, things yeah. like that. But then I truly believe that like if you do those things right and you – I don't know, so enough goodwill to them, they'll forgive once in a while where it's like, hey, I'm finishing up this thing. Yeah. You know, yeah, because we all
1: have seasons. Well, I have seasons like that. Yeah. And, you know, this reminds me, I really resonated with Gretchen Rubin's new book, Happier at Home. I think we're a lot alike in a lot of ways. Um, she said that she hated the balance metaphor and that instead of trying to balance her life, which to me has always sound, I don't know, kind of cold and calculating, even though I know the intent behind it is a good one what she tries to do is just cram her life full of the things she loves and if you do that then the unimportant has to fall away I mean if it doesn't fit it doesn't fit so choose well what's going to fall away when when your life is crammed full with good things
0: oh that's good are you doing any of your work work from home
1: only very rarely although I did take all my kids to the office with me on Friday which is a rarity so wow. I set them up in a conference room with a new DVD and a bag of sweet potato chips, and they were pretty happy. So that it, doesn't happen much, but that is what the blend looked like in my life last Friday.
0: And your workplace was okay with that?
1: Well, I knew that people were out of town, and okay. I would have a large conference room at my disposal, so gotcha. I took advantage of it. And I haven't – when my husband took his new job, we said, okay, two weeks. Let's just give it two weeks and, to get an initial feel for what your work life is going to be like because – my moving pieces are easier, so because he works, you know, forty fifty hours a week, and I work less than that out of the home, so it's easier to mess with mine than his. And my schedule is very flexible. Okay. So, so as a result, I did not have childcare for last Friday because I hemmed and hawed about what to do and decided, you know what, I'm just gonna take them to the office because people were gonna be out of town and it was gonna work. Like I can just put off that decision for one more week. So, and now this week I have to deal with it. <laughs> But no, I don't usually work from home there. And the reason I don't is because and I talk about this journey in um, my book, when my first son was born, I was persuaded to stay on with the firm doing the work, um, doing a segment of the work I had been doing from home. And that did not work for me. And things are different now. The technology is different, and I'm in a different stage. But um, it wasn't a good situation. It didn't – and that was mostly because – I had a cranky, colicky baby. I don't have a cranky, colicky baby now, so maybe it would be fine. But my workplace is really close to my, my workplace actually moved a couple years ago, very close to my home, which is super convenient. And I'd rather just go in, leave everything there. I mean, it's a paper heavy industry. So I can go in, do my work there and be on my merry way, which is what I prefer to do.
0: Yeah. So if there's people out there, they're interested in hearing more, first of all, go check out the book. And they can find that at Amazon. And if they go to the the show notes, I'll have a link there to where people can go buy that. What would you say to somebody? What what are the main things they're going to get out of the book if they're if they're contemplating that?
1: Well, a lot of people reading it have read it and told me, oh, I thought I was crazy for thinking I could do better. Um, I hope that they'll find enlightenment, um, that they'll find a little bit of education about um, what the possibilities are for blending work and family now. They'll read about how... um, why the workplace, and it's different in different fields, but why the workplace is much more flexible now than it was, you know, even five years ago, but definitely 10, 15 years ago, things have changed so much. And if you don't work in a workplace that really has moved forward technologically, you may have no idea what the possibilities really are, or how other workplaces are structuring their employees' work lives. I really hope you'll find a lot of um, inspiring role models and examples and ideas of things that you can do in your own life to um, make things work better for you and your family. So that's really what the book is filled with. It's ideas and inspiration and very practical. How can this work for me in my situation tips?
0: Honestly, as I read it, I read it from I'm a male. So I read it from a male perspective. And honestly, I didn't think that it was So slanted towards just a female perspective. I mean I was glad to see that your husband was writing in there too. That was awesome. But honestly, if you look at it just from a – someone's telling a story and then letting others enter into that story and share their stories too where you had everybody else share their perspectives. And then you kind of talked from your side as well as – basically it was like, okay, well, this is how we did it but it's not to say this is how you should do it. It's just to make you think these are some of the things you'd need to think about in order to make your own way of blending work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um, something, one of the nicest emails I got said, you know, I've heard the the phrase, if you can see it, you can be it. But I never, I never saw what the possibilities were until I read your book. And I just went, oh, you know, I'm so glad that people are like really experiencing life change at that's home. That's a really nice compliment. Yeah, yeah. Be- because of it. That's been really, um, I mean, that's why I wrote it, because I knew that there are women out there that were really struggling with this. And the men too. The reason that it's geared so much towards women is because my blog is called Modern Mrs. Darcy. It That is clearly aimed at women. Right. I have one man that faithfully comments that just always cracks me up and makes me smile because he feels the man's take on all the issues. But, <laughs> but there's one, you know? So that's... That's why it's written so much to the to women, because those are the people emailing me and asking me oh, questions yeah. and seeking advice. That's and, your audience. Yeah. Yeah. But you're you're right. I mean, it doesn't have to be just for women. Although a lot of women wrote me and said I asked my husband to read it so he could understand that I'm not the only that I'm not just a whiner, but that, that these are real issues that lots of women um, really struggle with in their own lives, and I'm not alone. And but there are things we can do at home, so let's tackle them together.
0: And this just this is just occurring to me as you're saying that is, is the whole the whole whining thing. I think that like for example, there's going to be different. We've used this used this word a few times. The the seasonal aspect of things is like, it, let's face it. At some point, you know, a pair of spouses where they have kids and the kids grow up and leave are going to have an entirely new situation to deal with. So why not practice that now so you can optimize for the time when you don't have, you know, quote unquote, those responsibilities anymore, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's just constantly, constantly changing. Yeah.
0: So, so the blog again is Modern Mrs. Darcy. I love this tagline, a Jane Austen girl in a Twitter world.
1: Oh, that's funny. I think I'm going to change it back to the original.
0: What was the original?
1: It was redefining the accomplished woman. Okay. It's from Pride and Prejudice. See? Girl blog, gotcha. That's your that's your number one clue right there, Jane yeah. Austen riff.
0: So people should definitely check out the book, which again is work shift: how to create a better blend of work, life, and family. Get that if you're a a male, a female, or whatever that um, you know you're part of something anyway. <laughs> unless you're single, I guess it really wouldn't make any difference. Well, you know what. I think even a single person would get a lot out of this because there's things they need to think about when they first get out of college that this would probably open their eyes to with just the way that they would uh, design their day and, and, and even you know goals for life and things like that. So I'm going to throw that out there.
1: I really do wish that, that people would consider just that they knew what their options were with work yeah. um, be, before they... Because uh, you have to make all those decisions, well, many decisions, your first career decisions in college before you know what your life is going to look like. And I know so many people who have decided that they couldn't even pursue a certain field because they didn't think that it would fit their life. And I don't know. Maybe if you want to be an astronaut, that's wise. Um, but... I think too often we limit ourselves when we don't have to because because we think that work is more, I don't know, limiting than it really is or has to be. And I wonder how much like the next generation of kids, you know, those in middle school and high school, I wonder if they'll wrestle with these specific issues to the extent that my generation is, um, you know, that today's 20 and 30-somethings are because I know that we really are. But I'm wondering if it'll be moot in 20 years, you know, like I had to get used to my iPhone and, you know, my kids, they, maybe there's another gadget they'll have to get used to, but they won't think it's a novel that we all have little techno devices.
0: Oh yeah. My one year old already knows how to work the iPad. So (laughs) I'm sorry. He's way ahead of everyone else. He's way ahead of his sister who, let's see, she was about six, five or six when she was introduced to the iPad and he's one and he can already turn things on and off and move it around. So,
1: but they'll have their own issues to deal with. Yeah. We just don't know what they are yet.
0: Yeah. So yeah. So check out the book. Check out the blog modernmrsdarcy.com. dot com. And is there anywhere else? Anywhere else that you would like them to contact you at? To check out Twitter or.
1: Oh, I love Twitter. If anybody wants to talk on Twitter, I am at Ann Bogle. It's Ann with an E. That's a lot of fun. That's my favorite social media.
0: Awesome. Yeah. But- mine. Mine too. Well, again, thank you, Ann, for coming on the show. It's been a great pleasure to interview you. And oh, well, uh, I'm
1: delighted to. Thanks for having me, Eric. Yeah,
0: no problem. And again, everybody, go check out all of her stuff. Just make sure to check out the show notes for this episode at beyondthetodolist.com, and you'll be able to find the links to all the different places to contact Anne and find out more about what she's doing online. Thanks again, Anne.
1: Thanks for having me, Eric. My pleasure.
0: Well, that wraps up another episode of Beyond the To Do List. One of the biggest battlefields when it comes to productivity is your email inbox. Getting a handle on what is coming into that inbox, how to process it, how to decide what to do when, to just make it not take so much time is what Andy Traub's new Fix Your Inbox screencast tutorial is all about. Go to beyondthetodolist.com. Slash fix your inbox. Andy talks all about what he's going to give you. He even delivers a 130% money back guarantee. Yes, that's right. If you don't like it, you're going to make money off the deal. However, I think you're going to make more off actually the tutorial itself. It's awesome. Use the code beyond the list, all one word, and get about half off. That helps me out. It helps you out. Fix your inbox is going to help all of us communicate a whole lot better. We'll see you next time.